This is Patrick Patterson, and you're listening to the NTTB Podcast. All right, all right, and welcome into episode 23 of the NTTB podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex, joined in by my co host, Anthony. What's up, y'all? All right, and so this has been a so basically, okay, so I had that frustration podcast what about two or three weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe the ship has been righted to the point now where we don't necess- necessarily this at least this season have to worry about Billy Donovan. We don't have to worry about the chemistry between Westbrook, between the big three, Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. Um, it seems like they're they're finding their places. They're finding their, as you would say, their identity uh, within the team. Um, so now we're starting to build off of that. So we're starting to, you know, we're starting to blow teams out. We're starting, you know, it, it was the Lakers. Um, but you're blowing the teams out that you're supposed to be. That blowing you're supposed exactly. You can only play who who the schedule says you have to play that night. Um, so we're going to be looking at. This week in review, which which didn't start out that well um, on New Year's Eve, uh, but then it got a lot better on Wednesday and Thursday as we progressed through it. So let me just go ahead and start off with uh, New Year's Eve. We played the Mavs, a team that we should have blown out. Yeah, but they're the Mavs are a thorn in our in our in our side. You know, to be to be fair, the Mavs have been a thorn in a lot of teams' sides. They're not. I mean, the Mavs are they're they're going to be a lottery team, you know, but. They're a good lottery team, if that makes any sense. Yeah, they you still know. have some good players. They're just, you know, they have no superstar. Their superstar is. And so they have some good young pieces. Yogi Ferrell, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., I think, is going to be uh, an amazing mm-hmm. superstar for them. So they have some key pieces, but they're missing some more talent around them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they, And, they, I, you know, Norlis Noel is out with the thumb injury. And I almost think they have buyer's remorse on him. I think so. I don't think him and Rick Carlisle kind of see eye to eye. And that is not. Obviously, helping out Norland's Noel's case, nor is the injuries helping him out. So I think Dallas has buyer's remorse there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they they need a few more pieces. They do. They, they definitely do. But but Dallas is, has always been a a hard team for us to play. It's it's basically a rivalry game. Battle it's of I thirty five. Yeah, it's a battle of I thirty five, and it's just like you know when you come in. You know, if we were talking about college football, um, you know, OU versus Texas regardless of what their records are, regardless of, you know, how their seasons are going at that point, when you go into that game, there's a possibility that the underdog can beat the other can beat the uh the favorite team pretty handily. They're gonna give you the best. Exactly. Yeah, and we've seen that we've seen that occur to, to OU plenty of times where they've come in as the favorite and Texas has put together a string and, you know, OU can't climb back from out you know, from from that deficit, yeah. whatever it is, and and that deficit just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. Um so it's it's the same thing between the Thunder and the Mavs. For some reason, it's just you know because of locale, there's a little bit of a rivalry there, and so the older players that know about this, um, you know, they get into it. And you know, Dennis Smith Jr. for instance, I believe his rivalry is with the veteran, the old veteran. You know, it's kind of weird saying that, but with the old veteran Russell Westbrook, 
because Dennis Smith is a rookie. Westbrook is the the old grizzled vet, the MVP. Um, the guy so, you're trying to take out, basically. Exactly, the guy you're trying to take out. And so, um, you know, anytime Dennis Smith pl- uh, Jr. plays him, he always hypes him up a little bit more than he should. And this, and in this game, it kind of came back to bite the thunder in the butt at the end of the game because Dennis Smith Jr. put together a what was it like an eleven zero run by himself? Yeah, a, you know, a string of like three or five minutes there where it was just him. It was just him, and then yeah, and that's then that's it. Freaking JJ Barea. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I'm, I don't think I don't think Barea has the same impact that he used to. I understand, but he still goes off for like twenty against. He us. Out, yeah, for us, he, he always he's always just that little jitterbug that, that we can't. You know, he's the only Puerto Rican really in the league, and I, I dislike him so much. So, um, but yeah, so so the, the Mavs beat us one sixteen to one thirteen. There are stretches in that game where it seemed like the Thunder were trying to take control of the game. Um, but you know the Mavs would just come back and hit you know one or two threes in a row and be right back in, into it and actually take a lead. You know n- neither team led by more than six points throughout the game. That's how close it was. Um, so it just it's just a, a situation where at the end of the game da- Dallas had the lead. They took the lead and you know we just couldn't come back from it. Uh, so kind of just looking at the stats for that game a little bit. Yeah, credit uh, Rick Carlisle for always for keeping his team. In the game, keeping them motivated. I mean, that's that's Rick's thing, you know. Regardless of how the, of what the what the players that the team consists of, he's always going to get them to play their maximum effort out there. You know, and that's I think that's one of the things probably with uh, Nerlens Noel that maybe Carlisle doesn't necessarily like his work ethic, and so that shows itself uh, as time on the floor. And he just he just struggles with that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe, you know, maybe a Dallas fan could go ahead and give us a little bit more insight into that. Um, but as far as the big three, how they did. Um, so Steven Adams, which it's the big four now. You know, anytime you talk about the Thunder, Steven Adams has to be included in that because he's such a big piece of that of that puzzle. He started to develop his offense, started to I should say started to flourish mm-hmm. uh, this season. And he's very much a key factor in um, Oklahoma City's victories and, and their scoring, easily putting up. We'll look up at halftime, and he's got 15, 18 points. Yeah, he's, he's, a, quiet, he's a quiet scorer sometimes. Uh, but in this game, it wasn't, that wasn't the case so much. He had 10 points and 8 rebounds, uh, shooting 5 of 8. Carmelo Anthony had 21 points, 3 assists, 2 rebounds on 7 of 15 shooting from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. Uh, Paul George had 25 points, 2 assists, 1 rebound. On six of twelve shooting, four of seven from three, and then Russell Westbrook had thirty-eight points, eleven assists, and fifteen rebounds on seventeen of twenty-eight shooting, and uh, he was four of seven from the free throw line. So you look at those stats, and you look at those stats, especially from the uh, from the big time players on the floor, and you would think that the Thunder won by a good margin. You know, all the big three, the big four, had solid games. Um, they all shot efficiently from the floor, um, but the problem in this game was more the bench. So we only got, let's see, 15, 17, 19 points from the bench, uh, but they weren't wholly, you know, they weren't totally efficient, and it was just a situation where, kind of like last year, where when Westbrook got off the floor, uh, the team would struggle a little bit, and so, you know, Dallas would come back during those stretches, and eventually just got to the point where... Dallas's young legs kind of took over and won the game out at the end. 
So it, it was a disappointing loss because it seemed like the Thunder, you know, the, the, the game before that was the Milwaukee game. And, you know, Paul George was out for that game. And that was a game where you know, Atitakumbo, Giannis Atitakumbo, you know, stepped out of balance before he hit the game winning dunk. Um, it was just one of those, it almost seemed like it was a carryover effect from that game. Um, where it, it just it was just disappointing. It was just something that we had just won six games in a row. We had the Bucks game, and then we had the Mavs game. You looked at the Mavs game, you were like, "That's the victory. That's the one that we could just win," you know, sleepwalking. Yeah. And that wasn't the case, you know. It just it's just it's just frustrating. It's just something that you know you see this team, and it looks like they're starting to build on something, and then they they just suffer a just a, a boneheaded loss. I mean, that's just, that's all. There's nothing else you can say about that loss of the Mavericks. You know, it was just a boneheaded loss. I mean, I know that Andre Robertson was out, uh, but you should not need Andre Robertson to beat the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, uh, you can tell that it was probably, you know, the frustration from reading the last two-minute report that says, yeah, he stepped out of bounds and all that yeah. other stuff. And they carried it over into another game where they should have easily handled them, um, marking the second loss. The second loss of sure. of in that eight game span, the yeah, second yeah, loss, the second loss in a row, yeah, in that eight game span. So, um, you know, they they started the new year, and they well, they ended uh, 2017 with a loss, but yeah. they started 2018 pretty good. So they did, they did. So we flip over to 2018, uh, we turned the calendar, and then on on that Wednesday, so you know, January 1st was on is on Monday, and so on that uh, on that Wednesday, we played. You know, we flew over to L.A. And we played the Lakers. And so this was a game, I was honestly, I don't know why I was a little bit worried about it. Um, whenever whenever a team goes to L.A., uh, they've, shown stu- you know, they've shown research and things like that where um, usually, especially if you stay there maybe the night before and things of that nature, uh, the team comes out and they're a little bit tired and they're a little bit, um, you know, they party maybe a little bit that day before. Um, but this team came out. And they struggled a little bit at first, you know. <laughs> the Lakers came out, and they came out. They were, they were hyped. They were hyped to play the Thunder, and I believe they built was it an eight zero lead or ten zero lead, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And without Lonzo Ball, they had a few players out. Yeah, there was. Yeah, it was. It was I think it was Julius Randle that was king everything. Julius Randle was out there. Um, he was their small ball, basically center, and so he was playing against Stephen Adams, and so you know he was. He has the ability to handle the ball. He has the ability to, you know, shoot a little bit from outside. And so, you know, it kind of seemed like, you know, it was going to be a difficult matchup for Adams. Um, but the Thunder kind of, you know, put their put their stuff together after that first timeout. And they came out and, you know, the, the first quarter ended, I believe, it was 26 to 26. And then the Thunder outscored them. 107 to 70. So pretty handily they won the game. No, hold on. So 26 to 26. Yeah, 107 to 70. Yeah, so I mean they won by I believe it was 37 points. Um so yeah, so I mean they once that first quarter ended after that and you know I guess they kind of figured out the uh the code to the Lakers, especially with a uh, ball out and uh it was over after that. But the big thing about that game, so everybody played good, of course. When you win by 37 points, everybody plays well. Um, but the surprising thing about it, number one, Andre Robertson, he didn't make the trip. You know, we have a three-game trip coming up, so the two L.A. games and then the Phoenix game tomorrow. 
Um, and so he he didn't make the trip. He has that uh, patellar tendonitis going on. And so in his place, the Thunder started Terrence Ferguson, the All rookie. Right. Alex Sabrinas is, uh, hasn't been playing hot for the last couple of games, maybe on the, coach, the coach's uh, short list right now. Well, uh, and he was also out for this game. He was game. out, yeah. He had a groin injury. He was injury. also out for this game. But he's also, but I think he's also on the short list. Yeah, I think if he would have been available, I don't I, think he would I don't have. think he would have started either, uh, even if he had been available. But he was out for both this game and the Clippers game. Yeah, so he was out. He had a groin injury. Maybe maybe that has something to do with his struggles recently. Um, I tend to think, like I said in the last podcast, I tend to think, you know, maybe a little bit of that weight gain and then – you know, having that off-season knee injury that he had for uh, in the World Championships, you know, those things can tend to kind of kind of slow you down a little bit. Um, so hopefully, you know, hopefully it takes us a little bit of time and rests a little bit and comes back, you know, a little bit more prepared to play. Uh, but Terrence Ferguson got the start, number 23 for the Thunder, uh, the 21st pick of this last uh, draft. The Rook. The Rook. And, like, I mean, his, his season has been – I mean, he's been up and down. I mean, he's had, he, he's shown flashes. He had flashes early on, but again, mm-hmm. you know, you're still trying to figure out who you are. Uh, it's only the first few couple of games when he gets some minutes in there. And yeah. So he, you know, he has flashes, but again, you want to see how how long that goes. He's shown he's shown to be active on the defensive end, and you know, Billy Billy, Billy Donovan loves that. He'll give you he'll give you spot minutes here or there if you're shown to be active on the defensive end. And so Ferguson is kind of, you know, it's kind of cut his his teeth on that end of the floor this season uh where he's kind of you know been the just a high energy perimeter defensive guy um and he's and he's made a couple you know a couple three pointers here or there he hasn't shot very well this season uh but then we fast forward to this game and so he gets a start and he goes off in the fourth quarter so he you know he did a pretty good he had i believe it was four threes um by the end of the third quarter you know because basically no one's paying attention to him, and the team is finding him in the corner. He's shooting those corner threes. He's shooting those elbow threes. They're basically giving him the Andre uh, Robertson yeah. treatment, Robertson. except Robertson treatment, except he he can shoot the ball more consistently. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's very true. And so you know he got a little bit of that of that treatment. I don't know if maybe it was a scouting report issue where they just didn't have too much you know game film on him, um, but he got open for a couple threes and he hit four threes by the end of the fourth quarter. By that point, the Thunder were up by almost 30, um, maybe even 30. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so, you know, the big three plus Steven Adams out of the game. They don't come back. Actually, Paul George came back for a little bit. Don't know why. You know, I hate when I hate when Billy does that. We're up by 30. Keep them all on the bench. They're the ones that we need in the playoffs, not anybody else. You know, the whole maybe, – maybe the whole, you know, let him work with the bench and see if, you know, that can – more chemistry creates through that – uh, but that was just a, a, a stupid, just little three-minute stretch that he was in the game for no, absolutely no reason in the fourth quarter at all. Um, but Terrence Ferguson comes out in that fourth quarter. He hits two three-pointers pretty quickly. Um, and then the show begins. Um, so Terrence Ferguson, he got, you know, uh, Raymond Felton got a steal, went down, and Ferguson was blazing on the uh, – on the uh, – on the trail, on the on the trail, on the wing, uh, Ferg. I mean, uh, Felton found him, and Ferguson went up. His elbow, his elbow almost went, you know, to the rim. Um, so he slammed it. It was a nasty dunk. He his hand his hand was halfway up. So basically, the middle part of his forearm hit the rim, 
and almost like he bruised himself pretty badly because I mean he as as he walked yeah, back down on the back, court, it, it hurt him. Yeah, it hurt him. He Look. was shaking his arm. He was holding the middle part of his arm. He hit him with one of these. Yeah, he did. He just, he just I mean he was he was amazing on that dunk. So he did that. Okay. Uh, and then about a minute later, he gets a steal, and he's all by himself, and he does the he does the cradle dunk, he does the rockabye baby, and um, and you know he's he's okay, you know he's not injured, um, but he put on a show for the L.A. crowd that was there. They were cheering for him like he was one of their own, and uh, you know maybe that was Terrence Ferguson's coming out party. Maybe that's you know put the NBA on notice. You know hopefully that little bit can get him into the. Uh, Maybe the, well, the there, rookie sophomore game number one, and maybe even the dunk contest number two. There were chance for him uh, to be uh, entered into the dunk contest. Most definitely. Uh, and you know what? I'm all for it. These vets, they're not they're not doing the dunk contest anymore. Mm-mm. The guys that we want to see in the dunk contest are not going to do it. If they've done it, they did it early in their prime. Yeah. Or like LeBron. Le- LeBron, we could just write that off. He's never going to be in the dunk contest, right? That's mm-hmm. not his thing. So let's get these young guys in there. Let's get these these guys, these you know, no names or the guys that are trying to develop their names and mm-hmm. let's let's put them out there. Let's put on a show. Yeah. No, and I, I agree. And this whole like this whole superstar dunk contest thing, like like I think like like everybody looks at Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, you know, he did the dunk contest twice or three years and he won two of them. Yeah, but you know, he Dominique did it. Wilkins, uh Vince Carter. Um so we all look at that and we're like, you know, LeBron, you can jump out of the gym. There's some guys that are great dunk contest guys, and there's some guys that are great in-game dunkers. Vince Carter happened to be that one guy that was great at dunk contest dunks and in-game dunks. But LeBron, LeBron just seems LeBron and Westbrook just seems like two of these guys that they dunk at their best when there's somebody standing right there in front of the rim. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they try to posterize. Yeah, they try to post. Like I don't see necessarily. You know Westbrook doing a three sixty dunk off of a you know off of a bounce or anything like that. Or I see LeBron doing you know something crazy like that. Now in a the game, they'll posterize somebody yeah. completely. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm, I'm down with you know I'm down with the Donald Jones. Who's the guy that played for Phoenix? Derek Jones or something like that. He played in like in the last two uh, dunk contests and he was a great dunker. Yeah, but here's here's the thing. Everybody talks about you know Dominique. They talk about Jordan. They talk about Vince Carter. All these guys did it within the first five years of their That's career. True, yeah. Uh, so if you miss that window, these superstar guys are not going to do these dunk contests. Yeah. They might do the three point contest and they might do the skills competition, but the dunk contest you got about a five year window within your career if you're a superstar to to do it. Yeah. By the time and, by the time if, five years comes around, if you don't do it by then, it's you might as well call it a wrap. Yeah. It ain't gonna happen. By the time five years comes around, the wear and tear of five years in the NBA kind of starts to bother you a little bit. Especially and, if you're on a team that plays deep into the playoffs, yep. um, that's you know additional mileage put on your legs. So if they're not within that first five year window, to me, just just wrap it up. It ain't gonna happen. Yeah, that's true. No, that's, that's very true. So so yeah, you know him, Jeremy Grant. I would love to see them in the dunk contest. I think Jeremy Grant's another in game dunker. Yeah, but see, I think Jeremy Grant's a better better um, alley oop dunker than he is just a regular dunker. True, yeah, that's very true. I, I think his his nasty dunks come off alley oops. Yeah, or, or come or off setups. Setups, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, definitely Terrence Ferguson. I've seen, I've actually seen, like I believe in high school, he had a couple dunk contests that he went to, and he performed very well in well, them. We see him in pregame warm up. He's out there, you know, yeah, doing some three sixty some, some crazy and, stuff out there, like most of these athletes and stuff like that do. So. 
Uh, I would like to see, you know, and they talk about that's the one competition during the All-Star weekend that everybody says is kind of dying. Nobody wants to watch mm-hmm. is the, the dunk contest and, and to a certain extent the three-point contest. But you want to get people involved in there? Get these young guys in there. Get these yeah. guys that have springs for legs that can literally out, you know, touch the back of the, the top of the backboard. I remember when um, Dwight Howard raised the backboard, slapped it with a sticker, and then dunked it. What did he raise it to? Like 12 feet? Was it 12, 12 feet? 12 feet, I think. And But these guys are jumping that high now, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, let's get these guys into the dunk contest and, and get them going. But Terrence Ferguson definitely had – Terrence Ferguson definitely had um, – a welcome to the NBA night game. And then again, what was weird is that LA fans, and it happened in, in against the Clippers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, LA fans were cheering for him. There was a lot of oohs and ahs for both teams. It didn't matter yeah. if you were a Laker, if you were a Clipper, if you were a Thunder. It was just that play, whatever, a lot of oohs and ahs going both ways. And you know a game is going good when you have time to go kiss your mom and dad during <laughs> a timeout. Yeah. Uh, Paul George did so, that. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, it's cool. I think Westbrook, in the Clippers game, I think he went over in a timeout as yeah, well and dapped up his parents. I think so, yeah. So, you know, Paul George took the Laker game. Uh, Russell Westbrook took the uh, the Clippers game. Yeah, two two L.A. natives. I mean, I mean, it was great. It was an awesome game. Um, you know, I loved I loved seeing the reaction from the bench, from the you know, from the the superstars that were on the on the Thunder bench watching this rookie just go off in the fourth quarter. This is what the rookie told these superstars. Yeah. Basically, basically, and, and, and to the Staples Center crowd. I mean, it was just—it was his show. It was his kingdom in that fourth quarter, and it was awesome. It was great. Uh, but just kind of a recap of that game. So, Stephen Adams, twelve points, two assists, three rebounds. I mean, two assists, six rebounds. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, twenty-one points. Terrence Ferguson, twenty-four points. Paul George, twenty-four points. Russell Westbrook, uh, twenty points. So, all five starters were in double figures. That's not—that's not a an occurrence that happens a lot of times when you have Robertson out there. Um, so, you know, great game, great game by, uh, you know, Raymond Felton off the bench. He had 10 assists. He had zero points, but 10 assists. Uh, Jeremy Grant, six points. Daniel Hamilton, our two-way player from the, from the blue, he had seven points. Uh, Dakari had six points. P-Pat, seven points. So, I mean, it was, it was a great game all around. Just, yeah, we had contributions from everybody. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, contributions from everybody on the bench. And then... In the fourth quarter, usually, especially in those blowout games, you see that the winning team gets outscored, you know, by five, six, ten points, you know, by the other team because basically you're just playing all your bench players. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know, in this game, the Thunder, because of Terrence Ferguson, um, they put it on the Lakers in the fourth quarter also and ended up winning by that yeah, and Kyle big Kuz- margin. Kyle Kuzma, uh, the the rookie sensation for the Lakers, mm-hmm. that guy is. He's going to be something else. Uh, that guy, whoever whoever decided to draft him knew what they were doing. Oh yeah, whoever uh, who, and I mean he he I think he got drafted in the second round. Yeah, he was a late round pickup yeah. to begin with, but whoever had the forethought to to see that there there could be something mm-hmm. special there. Um he basically said, you know, in his opinion, hey, they quit on they quit in the game. Yeah, he they took quit. He, he, that's a that's a leadership. That's 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 a that's something coming from a rookie that sounds like something a leader would like say. Like a veteran, yeah. yeah we quit like in the veteran. game. We quit on the team. And, I mean, okay, yes, they were down uh, Lonzo Ball, and I think Brandon Ingram was also injured in this game. I think he also didn't think play in this so, game. 
Um, so you're down two big guys, but Brandon Ingram's kind of up and down in that lineup. Mm-hmm. I think they're trying to get rid of him. Really? I, I think so. I think that – or is it Julius Randle? That, I think Julius Randle. Oh, Julius Randle's the – but, you know, these guys that are out that you would contribute, I would have loved to seen Lonzo Ball play against Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. um, to see how that would have gone. Um, but, you know, uh, you know the – the 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 Thunder did something that I think they have the potential of doing a lot more, uh, which, is? which is you know coming into these games that they are favored in and handling their business yeah. to the point where these these guys are getting rest because they played back to back in the Staples Centers they played the Lakers um, that night and then the Clippers the next night mm-hmm. and these guys were fresh on a back to back because they only played about twenty five twenty seven minutes yeah. Um, because they handled the Lakers pretty handily, and they didn't, most of these guys didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So. Yeah, so they play. I mean, they played like you know into the twenties as far as minutes goes. Um, so that's that's re- whenever you are doing a back to back, regardless. I mean, this this was a back to back, but this was a kind of a more lax back to back because they didn't have to travel right. in the second game. You know, it's just you're basically playing the same game. You're you're playing two games on two nights in the same arena. Same arena, different floors. Yeah, same arena, different floors. Uh, so the next night, so you know, it's Terrence Ferguson's coming out party uh, against the Lakers. So the next night, they played the Clippers, um, and they won one twenty-seven to one seventeen. And this was a game that was it was more back and forth. This was a lot closer game, and I believe it was. I believe the Clippers were up by three heading into the fourth quarter, and the all bench unit put on a 10-0 run to start the fourth, and the Thunder never relinquished that lead. This so. was a very frustrating game for me. Why? Uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I mean. The that f- dude was just cleaning up off the glass. And he was hitting his free throws. And yeah, he was hitting <laughs> free throws, and he was just, they outscored at one point in time, I think, into the third, no, at halftime. Was it halftime? Yeah, the, they had allowed more they points. They were 42 in the paint, points in the paint. And they allow about 45 or yeah, something. Yeah, 42 like that points in the paint. And I'm like, you just watch this and, like, nobody. I mean, Steven Adams couldn't stop this guy. Yeah. Uh, but I t- I'll tell you what, here, here's. I understand what you're saying. Um, but I also think, I don't, know, I don't know if it's by design per se, but if there's one thing that's back, backbreaking to a team in this NBA, it's three pointers. Right. And so if there's one thing that the team – so if you look at that and you say, man, you know, they allowed – I believe it was 66 points in the paint. And so DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin were getting most of those, you know, points in the paint. Um, But conversely, on the other side – you know, on the other end, I mean, as far as as the floor goes, three-point shooting-wise, they, they, you know, they locked down Lou Williams. Lou Williams has the ability to get 30 any night. You know, on, on any night. It's a guy you're pining after for this team? Yeah, oh, my gosh, yes. I would love him on this team. But so so Lou Williams was guarded heavily the entire night. And so that takes away players from the, from the, the middle, uh, from the paint, and, you know, basically just allows them to go ahead and say, hey, go ahead and lob it up to DeAndre Jordan. Two points is less than three points yeah. type thing. And I, under- I understand that, and I understand the theory, and I, the perimeter defense was – was effective that night. Yes. The Clippers were 9 of 30 from 3.30%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you just watch that and you're like, you're like, if we lose by two, this is going to be the reason why. Oh, yeah. It's kind of one of, you know, at least going into halftime, you're like, if this is a close game, this is going to be the reason why, you know, um, 
why they uh, why they win this game. Turns out the Thunder uh, come back, come back big, play big, play well. Uh, main, you know, hold Blake Griffin to a marginal amount of points. Um, he had twenty four points. I yeah. mean, twenty four, but he shot eight of nineteen. Um, yeah, he had to work for those twenty four points. He did. He did. And Blake and Carmelo, Griffin, Carmelo did it. You know, Carmelo is. He's as far as the big three, big four, whatever. He's the one that's most maligned for his defense. He's the one that people say, "Oh, he's, you know." His Especially because he's he's guarding guys that are usually a little bit bigger than he is. Yeah, but he he does a good job defensively. Yeah. He does a much better job than I thought he was going to do, um, as far as defensively. Like I thought he was going to play Matador defense and just you know get his on the on the offensive end of the floor. But no, he's done a great job of he's he's played good team defense number one. And whenever he has a bruiser, he's done a great job of standing his ground and playing good defense against those bruisers. Um, so against Blake Griffin, he did a great job against him. Yeah, he stayed on him. I mean, he picked up five fouls pretty quickly, yes. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Did it not seem like these calls were going one-sided during that Clippers there, game? For a little bit. Especially in, uh, in regards to driving the lane. Felt like that call would get called on the other end, mm-hmm. and then on our end, yeah, nothing. It. it Blake Griffin is the he's the power forward version of James Harden. And so but he's he's more of a brute in that he's gonna drive it into the lane, but he's gonna get hit. He's gonna get hacked and he's gonna go ahead and do his, you know, I've just been shot routine most of the yeah, time. Yeah, but uh but I, I wouldn't even say it wasn't just Blake Griffin. When Lou Williams drove the lane, it seemed like the same kind of contact or you know, contact that, that Lou Williams would get. Uh, would not would be the same contact that maybe Russell Westbrook or somebody else driving the lane would yeah. get, and nothing happened. Grant, Jeremy Grant, I mean, literally identical plays on either end. One was a foul, the other one was a no call. Yeah, I know. I'm, we we could probably go into every podcast and complain well, about the refs. Sure, sure, and and this is not me picking on the refs per se, as to say like it just seemed that entire game like it was. Yeah, it, it was. was going their way, and it could be just the fact that maybe they were keep. You know, grabbing those offensive rebounds and getting on the uh, mm-hmm. on the transition quickly, it just seemed like it wasn't necessarily. You know, normally it balances itself out. It yeah. just didn't seem that way in this Clippers game. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but it's it's always been that way with Blake Griffin. You know, he's always been one of the league leaders as far as um, free throws attempted, and that team is that team is usually very up front heavy, you know, with him and, and DeAndre Jordan. And so, I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I'll take a win. This is a win. Um, and this was this was a hard-fought victory. You know, this was this was a victory where we grinded, we grinded, we grinded throughout the whole game, and then we finally broke loose and we kept the lead. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll gladly take it. Now, let me ask you this. So, so we went 2-1 and one this week, and – we were in L.A. for two or three days. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the big questions was about Paul George and his future. And what what did you think about the candidness of Paul George? I think it's refreshing. You don't see athletes be open and honest about the situations. Mm-hmm. They asked him, I think, um, during shoot-around for the Lakers game about his comments saying that he wanted to be a Laker. Um, and he clarified that saying that, you know, he told him that ideally in Indianapolis, you know, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to do something, I'd love to be 
the Los Angeles Lakers. Who wouldn't want to? And you know, I understand who wouldn't want to play for their hometown. Yeah. And I and I get that, but he was like, you know, that was just thrown out there. It was an idea. It's it's not something that I was hard pressed on. Um, so you know, it was interesting to see him open up about that mm-hmm. and be honest. And uh, again, in a situation where most of these athletes keep their cards close to the vest, uh, conversely, they asked LeBron about his future in, in Cleveland, and he couldn't comment on that. Yeah, it's true. You know, and that's yeah. how normally that's how guys are. And mm-hmm. for him to be open and honest about it, and be like, you know, right now this is the team I'm focusing on. I like where I'm at. Um, this team's just starting to click. The chemistry's there. Uh, and then him say, you know, him clarify his statements made to Indiana that were leaked. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was refreshing. I thought. So, the whole Kevin Durant thing kind of got me very, very wary to to athlete speak. That's fair enough. You know, every time an athlete says something, take it with a grain of salt, especially when it's about dealing with their future. Um, so, it was refreshing to hear Paul George not necessarily give us the the same-o, same-o, you know, athletes speak when it comes to their future. You know, it's good to hear somebody say, you know what? It would be nice to play at home, especially when your home is L.A. You know, 80, 70 percent of the players in the league would love to play in their hometown for their home team. You know, I'm not saying anything that nobody else would would not say in, in private. Um, so it was refreshing to, to hear him say that. And I, and I believe and it. And it, it seems like. His comfort level. And allowing him to say that, I believe that bodes well for our future with him. You know, he's not necessarily hiding. He's not necessarily saying, oh, you know, we'll just, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a decision for this summer. That's a decision for this summer. It's still going to be a decision for this summer regardless. But at least he's saying, you know what? I would like to play in L.A. at some point in my career. But at this point, my, the most important thing is to be on a winning team. Right. And so, you know, when they asked Russell Westbrook about that, and he said, you know, are you going to be basically... Yeah, what was your what would be your recruiting pitch yeah, your recruiting to Paul pitch. George? And he said, I'm not doing a recruiting pitch. Let's win a championship. He said winning a championship would be my recruiting yeah, beat pitch. Beat that. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, it's, 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 it's so true when it comes... You know, the whole, the, whole, the whole era of us worrying about a player's future... That, that, there's one thing that I think Kevin Durant did to this, to this fan base... And I believe he hardened them in that, you know, we'll take it either which way. They've maligned themselves to think that all superstars are going to leave. Yeah, that's true. That's Except for Russell. Right. Except for Russell. And Russell has, time and time again, backed up his word by signing extensions, you know, signing basically a lifetime extension with the five-year thing. Um, so Russell kind of, he's kind of over here in the side. Everybody else in the NBA stays on this, you know, on this, on, in this little circle, and Russell's over here all by himself when it comes to Oklahoma fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I, I think that the Durant thing hardened our our perspective on athlete speak, and it is good seeing somebody be so candid, be so open um, with their future. Nobody's asked Carmelo about his future. You know, it would be interesting to see how he responds to that right. question. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it was good to hear that. But how typical Russell Westbrook is his his answer? He's like, no, nah, I'm re- I, look, you know, we've known from from the jump. It seems like, mm-hmm. look, Russ ain't recruited nobody. Yeah, you either gonna come play with him or you not. 
and I love that about him. And he was like, "Look, I'm not, re- I'm not recruiting him nowhere. We just gonna win a ring and see what that says." Yeah, I mean, I, 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 number one, I like, I love the 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 confident bravado that he displayed there, um, because you know, here about a month ago, that confident bravado would have sounded foolish. You know, talking about a championship yeah. and we're you know a couple games under five hundred. You know, talking about blowing it up. Like, exactly. You know, the yeah. experts are saying, "Hey, this is not working. This, they got to go." Yeah. So I mean, it, it was it was good to hear. It seems it seems like these three players get along, and you saw that at the end of the Clippers game in a very hilarious scene where you know each basically. So I believe. Paul George was giving an interview to TNT. Right, with David Aldridge. With David Aldridge. I believe Russell was doing the, the radio I interview. I think he was doing on the radio one. And, then and I think Carmelo was, was doing, doing with the, Nick Gallo. Yeah, the, the Fox, Fox Sport Oklahoma interview. And so when Russell was done with his interview, I guess, I guess he had a bottle of water. He had two. Apparently cold water. Because he hit him with both. So he hit Paul George with it first. And you know Paul George was like, oh, that's cold. He, he kind of stayed even keeled. But then he went over to Carmelo, and he dumped the cold water on Carmelo. And on live TV, I guess without you know without them having enough time to go ahead and um, beep things out, as soon as Russell Westbrook hit him with that cold water, he said, "Mother, shh," you know, basically all out. In live TV on Fox Sports Oklahoma, Nick Gallo couldn't pull that microphone away <laughs> no, from him couldn't. fast enough. And, um, and Nick Gallo could do nothing but just laugh. That that was the funny part. Nick Gallo just looked at it and just laughed because he because Nick Gallo knows these guys and he knows they play around all the time. You know, he knows. So that was just hilarious. I, 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 I love I love that scene. You didn't see it coming, and so yeah, you you as as uh, working for the network are going to try to do your best. Mm-hmm. To yeah, at least pull it away so it's not clear as day. But that microphone was right there, and clear as day. You yeah. just you know. But it, I mean, it's 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 fun to see that. It's it's awesome to see that because it's, it's that's their element. You know, that's them and their natural element. You know, them playing around with each other and just being good friends, being you know guys that used to be competitors. Uh, that have played together on Team USA's and things of that nature, but just guys that know each other and that are just good-natured with each other. You know, and, and, and they're starting to have fun. They're starting to kind of click and have fun. And I, I think the trajectory for this team is nothing but up. You know, I don't think, I don't think we're going to go back down. I think this, the trajectory for this team, I think the chemistry on the team is great. I think uh, things are going good as far as their roles. Now they know their roles. They know what to do. They know how to be effective. They know how to be efficient. And and so I think I think this team is trending completely upwards, um, and I don't think we're going to go back to where we were maybe a month ago. Um, so that's a great thing. So some more Thunder news. Um, so number one, uh, Carmelo Anthony is not going to be fined for the curse words he said on on live TV um, because they realized that he had you know it was a surprise attack on him. He had a a drive by wedding, cold wedding. Um, but yeah, so he won't be. He will not be uh, not suspended, a fine for that. Um, but during that Lakers game, we had our first official um, view of the Westbrook. So those were the those the signature, were the, the Jordan those signature are his, Westbrook his signature shoes. shoes the uh-huh. why not, uh, why not zero, zero ones. ones? Yeah, um, and those were the mirror image player edition. And so, so the ones on, he wore on the ones he wore were the mirror image play mirror image player editions which had you know a lot of collage of him on one foot mm-hmm. and jordan the silhouette on the other oh, foot okay so the other foot had jordan and a lot of collage in there uh in a white with black uh bl- white black and red basically yeah. um 
shout out to the sneaker reporter for first dropping the first shout images. Out to Travis, Travis Singleton. Uh, the first images of the Why Nots in, in a basic white and black, and also in black and red, the black and red color. And then I, eventually I, I, they dropped in an orange color. Yeah. And so the mirror image was the first time that he actually busted out with the shoe. I, I do want to give a shout out to um, to Travis. Travis is doing big things this year um, to sneaker reporter, and uh, and it's just good to see somebody like that that's been on the grind for so long. Um, finally get the stuff, you know, finally get to see some credit yeah. his way. Um, you know, he's releasing sneaker information, sne- breaking sneaker news out there um, that we're going to talk about uh, here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, just shout out to him constantly being on the grind, constantly um, putting his, uh, you know, just, just putting his head down and doing what he has to do to uh, to kind of push his brand. I mean, he's doing a great job of it. Um, so, those mirror images, the mirror shoes. image are going to be a limited release, and they're coming out January fifteenth. Okay, at a reasonable one twenty five. So okay, so so limited release. So you're, are you talking about big cities? Are you talking about? I mean, definitely Oklahoma City is going to get, definitely. but I, what I what I think is limited quantity. Okay, I don't think they're going to have a high volume amount of of these mirror image shoes. Okay, uh, that's what I think when they, they're talking about limited. But obviously, Oklahoma City, the House of Hoops up in Oklahoma City and Penn Square probably will get some mm-hmm. um you know considering that it's westbrook's first signature shoe f- signature court shoe yeah um yeah he's had the lifestyle and then shoe. the white and black versions will be coming out february 15th yeah so the white and black versions are your regular the regular yeah regular no, no nothing special just white and black um but they february still look 15th. nice they still look nice they look real nice um, i like them they say why not on the tongue mm-hmm. um they have a mixture of you could tell some design elements. I think there's a little bit of 15s in there, yeah, uh, a little bit of the fly knit 30, 31, 32s that 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 style is in there. Um, so I, I think he's taking a few from different shoes. But I re- uh, somebody one of the articles I read said that the shoe is as bold as Russell Westbrook's fashion and personality yeah. seem to be. Yeah, they look they look very no no no. So let me not say they look very futuristic because it doesn't look like a robot would wear it. But it looks like a good blend of current and future, future. technology. Yeah, yeah, future technology into the shoe. So I mean, they, they look real good. They look real nice. And at at, at one hundred and twenty five dollars, that's just it. Just for a starting entry shoe, that's not bad. That's especially not bad a at Jordan. All. Espe- and especially Jordan number one. Especially Russell Westbrook. You know, MVP of the league. One of the, one, one of the one of the premier faces in the league. Um, so yeah, so that's great. I mean, that's the, awesome. The best part of that shoe is what it says on the back. What does it say? Uh, along the spine, it says "engineered for flight." Oh, that's tight. That's <laughs> cool. All right, so so th- that's the Russell Westbrook shoe. Yes. And so, S- sneaker reporter, he broke some news. Was it today uh, or today yesterday? Today is when I saw it. Yeah, today or yesterday, late yesterday, uh, in which he had a picture of the PG twos. So apparently, which he had posted a photo of a leaked image a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, and then had talked to Paul uh, to Paul George and asked him, and he said. Uh, they're not exactly it, but there are some elements. He said those aren't the PG2s, but there are some elements on there. Some of the things yeah. on there will be in the PG2s. And then today we uh, saw uh, confirmed an official photo. I love the PG. The- I love the Paul George. They're very, there. they're very, the one thing about them is you'll definitely have to break them in uh-huh. because they're very form-fitting, um, almost like the Kevin Durant's. They're very form-fitting, but once you break them in, they're very, very comfortable. But, I mean, they're, they're a lot. I, don't know, I think Nike does this on purpose. Uh, with a lot of their shoes, a lot of their athlete shoes, uh, but a lot of the colorways. I love, I love a lot of the. Colorways. Oh yeah, he's got a lot of he's got a lot a lot of colorways. 
Um, the red ones, I call them like the Netflix ones because yeah. it has that Netflix color mm-hmm. colorway to it. Yeah. He's got them in red. He's got them in blue. Um, he, they dropped a lot, a lot of colorways in the PG ones. They and did. They look nice. And the... Uh, the twos, do they the have a little twos. bit of suede on, in them? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, right. you know, the ones, a few of the ones actually have some of that suede or like that microfiber mm-hmm. uh, new book feel to it. Yeah. Uh, that new book feel to it. So it looks like the PG twos are going to continue with that. So uh, when do you think the – so I know he hasn't dropped a, a date or anything, but I, are well, these for next I, year? According, for, to, according to, again, Sneaker Report and Trevor Singleton, I think he will be debuting them sometime this year. Okay. So I'm thinking maybe a summer release. Maybe. Hopefully um, they have Oklahoma City colorways because he's re-signed with us. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, so – all right, so that's the, that's your sneaker news for this uh, edition, for this podcast. Um so I kind of want to want to go into Twitter questions. We have a couple a couple Twitter questions from our our good friend Moriart uh, Logan. Um, so the first question: uh, Do you feel Abrinus should have been in mellow in the mellow deal instead of Doug McDermott? Um, mm, not necessarily. Yeah, I think at the time Abrinus had more upside than McDermott. He did. Yeah, and I think I think they're both. They're both pretty bad defensive players. I think Doug is a worse defensive player than Abrinas is. Um, so if you're going to bring the same things to the table and one is a little bit better defensively than the other one or has the ability to be a little bit more def- better defensively, um, you just you just stick with Yeah, as Abrinas. long as uh, Abrinas is not playing for behind defensively, yeah, he defends pretty well. He does. I mean, he, um, But there's occasionally where he gets caught behind the guy and – Instead of being able to readjust and get in front of him, he's always uh, either trailing the play and the mm-hmm. guy's blown by him or fouling. He just, he just needs to play smarter. Like a, a lot of these guys that are bad defensively, it's not that they're bad defensively. It's that they do kind of dumb things defensively. Like the whole – like if you're going to scoot over, like if, if a guy gets by you and you're going to catch up with him, just because you have your hands up in the air – doesn't mean that the verticality rule applies to you as long as you're still moving your feet. Or it doesn't mean you can body into the guy. Exactly. Just uh, because you have your just, hands up yeah. doesn't mean verticality, you know, the rule of verticality takes over and you're, you're not going to be charged with that foul. Um, so, and I'm pretty sure, I, I would hope that the defensive guys, the defensive coaches for the team are telling him, hey, if they get past you, don't do that because you're just going to end up, you know, getting a three point play. Um, so I, I I don't know man just he he started to get a little bit better defensively at the end of the year last year and he's kind of reverted back to where he was at the beginning beginning of the season last year. Um so hopefully it's just I don't know. I don't know with him. Um so the next question um from Moriart Logan how do you how long do you think it would take Terrence Ferguson to get an NBA body? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> that is a real good question because he is he is like stilts out there. He's he needs leg day. I mean, he, he needs, needs a leg, whole day, bunch of leg day, upper day, middle day. Man, he needs to eat. He needs to eat some fattening food, whatever greasy, you know, barbecue joint, burger joint out there. He needs come to come hang out with the Puerto that. Rican family. Come hang home. out with the Puerto Ricans. We'll get some meat on your bones. Um, but I mean, as far as as far as here's the thing though, like we've seen. Thin, small guys get NBA bigger. So Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry was extremely small when he came into the league, 
and now he has you know bulging biceps and you know he's just he has a a, a body that's a lot more able to handle the the rigors of the NBA season uh, than he did when he first came into the league. With that said, he's on year nine. You know, it's taken him a while to get to that point. It took him about four or five years to get to that point. Well, not just that. I think you're also seeing a trend of the younger, the newer guys. Uh, for example, Brandon Ingram is what six eleven. Yeah, he's and that dude I think is skinnier than Terrence Ferguson. Yeah, he he still is. You know, so a lot of these guys are now into that skinny, super athletic, uber athletic frames, mm-hmm. and that might be the transition of you know. Today's NBA, where these younger guys, year one through five, are going to have that super skinny, still athletic, still muscular, yeah. still can hold their own, but they're just super skinny frames. I mean, this is this is where the this is where the the developmental game starts with Terrence Ferguson. So he's had a little, you know, he's had a, he's had a breakout game. Um, he's had you know he's had two games worth of film for guys to look at. And say, okay, this is how we need to attack this guy. This is how we need to defend this guy. So on and so forth. So, I believe from here on out, you're going to start to see a lot more physicalness towards Terrence Ferguson. Either it, you know, whether it being a bigger guard backing them down, whether it being, you know, maybe just a bigger guard that defends him that maybe hits him every time he comes around on a pick or something like that. Um, but I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that. And so. The necessity to have a bigger, a bigger body is going to come into play. Um, how long do I think it's going to take him? I'd say about two to three seasons. I mean, it's not. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's, it's not. Right. It's not easy to put on when when you have a body like that. It's not easy to put on muscle. It's not easy to put on weight. Um, so I think it's going to take him two to three seasons to actually get an NBA frame body that can take the rigors of twenty to thirty minutes a night, things of that nature. Um, but here's the thing about him is, with how, with as thin as he is and as small as he is, you know, you know, as far as wiry, he can get around. He can get under any pick. He there's no pick that's gonna necessarily, you know, unless you just crunch him right then and there, he can get around most picks as far as going under them. And with his athleticism, with his speed, he's able to catch up to guys even if they try to blow by him. You know, that's that is that's a that's a benefit in and of itself in this NBA. That's why Andre Robertson is such a good defender because he's able to kind of skirt those picks a lot of times because he's a lot thinner than, say, like a, a bigger guard. Um, so I do think it'll take him two to three years to get that NBA body, but at this point I do think that it is a little bit of a benefit to him right now. Now, whenever NBA teams start to see a little bit more tape on him, I think they're going to hit him a lot more. And Speaking of guys hitting him, <laughs> Did you see Andre uh, Stephen Adams go after the Clippers player? Oh yeah, when he backed up, where he uh, so he so, so Stephen he, Adams went for a rebound. And no, this, no, no, he was going up. For, Russell Westbrook was on the break. Adams was on the trailer, so he was going up for an alley oop, and the defender, the uh, the Clippers defender, I can't think of his name right now, yeah. backs into him to prevent him with the alley oop. And sticks his foot out there, so Stephen Adams lands directly on his foot and rolls his ankle, goes down hard, mm-hmm. and he's down for a while. As soon as he gets up, he charges. He makes a beeline at that dude. And it was Ferguson that got it in between. Ferguson him, right? had to step in between him, but <laughs> you, that dude's face. Yeah, he's like, oh, I think he literally crapped himself on yeah. the court. He's like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> that. I saw that. That was hilarious. That was funny. And that's so out of character for Stephen Adams. So you know, like it must have either really, really hurt or really, really pissed him off. 
I think we've seen. I think we're starting to see a. We're starting to see more emotion from Stephen Adams that we've never seen before. Like the whole celebratory, you know, when he was running up down the court after the dunks on. Who was it? Was it? It was a couple games ago. I know that, mm-hmm. but um, oh, it was Toronto, right? Yeah, against Valanciunas. Yeah, against yeah, Valanciunas. Against Valanciunas. So you know, he he did the celebration going down the court. You know, where he's putting his fingers up. Um, and so we've seen a couple games where he's gotten pissed off at people. Really, uh, who, who was it? It was a rookie that hit him. Um, Donovan Mitchell against Utah hit him hit him on the arm, and he turned around and was like, "You don't want these problems, kid. You really don't want these problems." Uh, so he, you know, that game and in this game, the, the Clippers game, another situation where he just basically was sprinting down court like he was going to go get a a dunk from Russell, Russell Westbrook, but instead. He wanted to go ahead and kind of go at somebody. He was willing to take that flagrant. He was. He really was. So, you know, that, it's, it, it's kind of been a fun thing to see Stephen Adams just kind of get more emotional out there because, you know, I, I've seen, you know, I, throughout Stephen Adams' career, I've, I've looked at some of the things that people do to him. And, like, listen, I understand. He's, he's, Stephen Adams is not a dirty player. Let me let me get that. He's an agitator. He's an agitator. He's a physical player, and a lot of people in this NBA don't like physical play. Um, but he's not a dirty player. He's not out there trying to hurt anybody. He's just out there being physical. A lot of people, a lot of these players, they retaliate in ways that I'm sorry. If you hit me with a fist, I'm coming at you. He literally took the punch and kept walking down the court. He has taken punches from, was it Vince Carter, from Zach Randolph, from just half the NBA, basically, and just kind of like kept on running down the court and been like, I didn't know what happened. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, it's, it's good to see him getting a little bit more emotion. I hope he doesn't get to the point where he actually hits somebody because I think it won't be too pretty uh, for that person. And then final question for Moriart Logan. Um, so seeing as how Houston's play, in my opinion, is not sustainable to win long term, do you feel Oklahoma City is a team that is more built for the playoffs in the regular season? I would say yes, because they yeah. have a better defense. Exactly. And, and they, in, especially in the playoffs, defense is what keeps you in games. Mm-hmm. Um, and defense is, you know, what they say wins championships. And we, we've seen Golden State's defense only get better. Yeah. Their defense has only gotten better, um, and I mean, and I've, I've mentioned this where so much of Houston's offense is dependent on the three point shot, more so than Golden State. Like Golden State's three point shooting is it's hot or cold. It's it, either on or it's not. It's hot or cold, but they can revert to other things. Yes, um, Houston, on the other hand, their thing is basically all dependent on three point shooting, and so whenever you get to the playoffs. You know, your superstars usually perform in the playoffs, but those other guys tend to kind of have their numbers go down. So guys like Trevor Reza, guys like P.J. Tucker, um, Eric Gordon, guys that aren't necessarily superstars, uh, they tend to see their efficiency numbers go down. And as their efficiency numbers go down, if the defense is not there, then you start to have it issues. Causes problems. Exactly. Have you ever seen somebody shoot better on the road than at home? That's Houston, isn't it? Ryan Anderson. Ryan, yeah, that's, that's Ryan so Anderson weird. shoots better at home, or shoots better on the road mm-hmm. than he does in his own like home, and it was noticeable yeah. in that Golden State game, which was basically just a three point contest between Golden State and and uh, Houston. and Houston. 
And Ryan Ryan Anderson becomes one of these guys that's not playable in the playoffs. Some some yeah. you know some matchups. He wasn't playable against us, and that was us. You know, whenever we had just Russell Westbrook and the Westbrookettes right. out there, um, he wasn't playable. He's not going to be playable against Golden State. You know, he's not going to be playable against. There's just a couple teams that he's not playable against, um, and so that eliminates a big part of Houston's offense right there. Yeah, but then again, you also went out and signed Chris Paul, and you have you yeah, yeah. you hope to have uh, you have Harden, you have Chris Paul, so those guys could. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, counteract the uh, three points that, or the three pointing ability that that Ryan Anderson would give you on the road and stuff like that. So. That's true. No, that's true. Um, so yeah, so I I, I I believe Houston is like any D'Antoni team. They're usually more built for the regular season than they are for the playoffs. Um, and I don't see this season being any different if they match up against Golden State. Um, if they match up against Oklahoma City, you know, I think. I think it'll be a big, you know, it'll be a long series. I think it'll go, you know, six or seven games. Um, but I do think that Houston has a chance against us. Uh, but against Golden State, I just, I don't think they do. The thing about Houston against Golden State is that they have, if they're on, now this is a big if, mm-hmm. they might just be able to outgun them. Yeah, definitely. And so in that particular series, if you're on and you can outgun them, you might be able to weed them. Yeah, that was, that was my big worry when we played Houston on Christmas Day was, yeah, we got up and in the fourth quarter, but my worry is always that a three-point three flurry here or there. They can Reggie Miller us. And they're back in the game, and they've taken momentum, and they, they shot another three-pointer, and now they're up. You know, that type of thing. And that's, that's the same thing with Houston. That's the same thing with Golden State. You know, those types of teams, the three-pointer is a great equalizer, and so whenever those – flurries happen whenever those runs happen if you're not shooting efficiency as efficient as they are you tend to fall behind because threes are count for more than two um so and and so within that question he had another question that says who would you consider our x factor barring no injuries versus houston san antonio and golden state so houston and golden state i'm gonna lump those together and i would say the x factor for those is probably going to be so, okay, so X-Factors, are we looking at, like, the starters, or are we looking at probably somebody that you wouldn't think? I think that's what an X-Factor is. Yeah, but I would imagine an X-Factor could be one of your starters. And mm-hmm. so I would say Paul George is going to be your biggest X-Factor against those guys. Yeah, he has to bring Cause it. Because you're going to need him to play not only not only bring it on offense, but, you know, mm-hmm. ha- you know lock those guys down on defense. Yeah. Along And, again, the one of the abilities that Oklahoma City has is they have Robertson, they have uh, George, they have guys that can play defense, you know. So it's not necessarily him taking on the big chunks all the time. Mm. Um, so we have guys that can lock him down. So I would imagine that I would say Paul George is going to have to be the X factor for us against Houston and Golden State as far as San Antonio. I honestly haven't seen too much of San Antonio. Exactly, this season, it's so. just San Antonio's been doing what San Antonio does. Yeah. Uh, especially winning a lot without Kawhi Leonard and now that he's back um he still see, he still he still seems to be in the same momentum that was he had last season yeah. as far as scoring a defense so I hate San Antonio so I much just, I, I I haven't again we haven't seen San Antonio yet I haven't been watching any of their stuff so it's hard to say yeah. who would need to be the X factor against San Antonio because I don't know how we match up 
defensively or offensively against San Antonio. I think a good X factor, like everything all being the same as far as starters and things of that nature, I think a good X factor for the Thunder against the Houstons and the Golden States is Josh Houston's. You know, I think his ability to, number one, defend on the perimeter, defend on the inside, um, and then also possibly hit a hit a three-point shot here or there or get on the wing and make a, you know, get a dunk or things of that nature. I think that is a big X factor for the Thunder. I, I think, I don't think they had a player like that last season uh, that could come in and, you know, a 3-4. that could go ahead and spell Paul George. Go ahead and spell Andre Robertson. Go ahead and put somebody on the floor when you take Robertson out, that you don't lose as much defensively, but you gain a little bit offensively. Um, so I do think Houston is a is a X factor for those teams against San Antonio. I don't know. I mean, say maybe Jeremy Grant. Yeah, maybe. Like I, I, you know, you remember, you know, you remember Ennis Cantor being a big time X factor against San Antonio in the past. Um. And I think one of the times that we played San Antonio, I think Dakari Johnson played against them. Like, Steven Adams was out, so Dakari Johnson had to start. Uh, but I, I just, I honestly have not seen enough of San Antonio to actually give you an X factor for that team. I know they, I know they keep on winning. I know pop is pop. Um, but, yeah, I just haven't seen too much of, a, of them to give you a, a valid answer to that. You know, maybe – Later on in the season, I can maybe go ahead and provide you something a little bit more. But, yeah, I haven't seen too much of them. So um, so that's the Twitter questions. Thank you very, very much uh, <clears throat> for the Twitter questions. Um, so I, I kind of mm, – I wanted to look at some of our trade assets because we are heading into that. You know, we're, we're a month away from the trade deadline. Trade deadline, I believe, is on February 8th. Um, so we're a month away. So just looking at this team, so we can go ahead and chuck the idea that, oh, you know, should the Oklahoma City Thunder trade Paul George? I think we can go ahead and chuck that out the window. That's not something that is in the Thunder's mindset now. I think they have, you know, their chemistry issues are fixed. I think this team is, like I said, on an upward trend. And so you're not going to trade Paul George whenever this team is achieving what, they're, what they need to be achieving. Um, so looking at the roster who do you think are the the trade pieces for them? Like who who? So okay, so in my opinion, the trade pieces pieces for this team are Alex Abrinas, Josh Eustis, Jeremy Grant, Terrence Ferguson. The problem with that is that these guys don't make a lot of money. At least three of them. Three of them make right. about a, a million, two million, and um, Alex Abrinas makes about five point eight million. So would you be willing to trade Abrinas and say one of the other three uh for somebody for a veteran that's maybe on a one year contract that can perform that has been that has performed throughout his career? Would you be willing to do that? For Abrinas? For Abrinas and then one of the other three. Cuz here's the the reason I say that so the Thunder, they never like to lose a player for nothing. <clears throat> so when they declined Hustis's contract, the most they can pay him, like if they want to go ahead and re-sign him next year, the most they can pay him is just $2.2 million. 
another team could jump in here and offer him the Kyle Singer con- contract. You know, five, you know, four years, twenty million, and average five five million a year. So, the team may look at that and say, you know, I don't want to lose this guy for nothing. Right. So, would you be willing to package Houston and Abrinas for, let's say, let's say a guard that shoots from outside, that's you know pretty consistent from outside, is on a, you know, is on a contract that's. That's ending after this season. Would you be willing to do that? So, hypothetically speaking, a Lou Williams type of guard? Yeah, basically. Somebody that can get off on their own? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, Because I think that anytime you can have a guy that can create his own shots or that can just go off from the bench Mm -hmm. is 100% valuable. Yeah, I think so. Especially, Especially with this team that already has enough defenders out there. Um, so Lou Williams, one of the guys that I really want. Um, another guy that I really want, uh, is Marco Bellinelli over in, uh, Atlanta. And so he's another one that $6 million, uh, that would fit in that whole, you know, Abrinas and Houston's for, you know, and, and, and Atlanta is one of those teams that a guy like Houston, a guy like Jeremy Grant, you know, this off season, they could offer them, you know, cash, right. you know, basically right. more Big compared than we are. Um, so it just it, it, so I, I would be very keen to watch that Atlanta situation um, because the Thunder are known to trade with teams that have veterans and need young talent right, type right. thing. Um, so I could definitely see that. So moving on to some uh, some NBA news. love that music i just every time i listen to that music i just love it um so harden james harden he got injured a couple days ago uh injured his hamstring and so per the team he's going to be out what two weeks about two weeks with a strain well he'll be reevaluated after two weeks it could be anywhere from two to four weeks a partially torn hamstring and i believe since that time houston is zero and two they lost to the warriors and then they lost tonight to detroit i think um, so we are actually just four and a half games, I believe four and a half games back of Houston, uh, for the number two spot. Um, so that could be something to watch, you know, two, two weeks in the NBA is about, it's about six or seven games. Um, so, you know, if we want to make a run for that number two slot, so we're we're five and a half games, five games back. back yeah. yeah, five and a half games back of Houston. But I mean, that's you know when you look at it, two weeks ago we were about ten games back of Houston. Um, so we're making ground. There's we're only still, two and a half. Uh, we're only two and a half back from Minnesota. Yeah, they who, keep on. They who, keep on winning. They keep on winning, and who we had tough back and mm-hmm. forth with initially. So in Minnesota, sitting at number four. Uh, we're what three three back from San Antonio? Are we really? Yeah. So that's that's surprising. So I mean, the Thunder are in the thick of things, and so when the Thunder reel off, you know, if they mess around and reel off, you know, five, six, seven games in a row, while the other teams maybe play each other or play maybe a Golden State and a Houston during that time, or you know, something like that. 
um, you could definitely see the Thunder kind of creep into this whole home court advantage, two, three, four uh, seeding in the Western Conference. Right now, if the playoffs happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. we'll be playing Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, and I believe we're going to be playing Minnesota anyway whenever the season ends. Uh, I believe we'll be four and Minnesota will be five. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think the Harden injury is kind of big news um, that, that can shuffle uh, maybe the two, three seedings. Uh, not necessarily have us all, you know, catch up all the way to two, uh, but I could see, you know, maybe San Antonio and Houston kind of shuffle a little bit because of this injury. Um, and so Durant also has been out for two games with a strained calf. Yeah, he kind of did the splits on like a play. Uh-huh. Floor was wet, ended up doing kind of like a semi-splits kind of thing, falling mm-hmm. forward. And, you know, and he, he's he been dealing with that calf strain all season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kerr said that he shouldn't have played him against Oklahoma City because he knew that calf was not was right. Was it calf or was it an ankle? I th- I'm pretty sure it was the calf the whole okay. time. It's been the calf the whole time. So he's been out for a few games. Uh, Curry has come back yeah. from his, uh, from I think he was gone for like 10 days. It went crazy today. 45 45 and point and didn't even play in the fourth quarter, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that guy just keeps on performing. And then Blake Griffin today against those Golden State Warriors. So uh, for the nasty nine concussion. minutes, yeah, nine minutes into the game, he uh, I forgot who he ran into, but he ran into their elbow. Yeah, it was it was not a pretty sight. No, he ran into their elbow and he was concussed. He was out for the rest of the game. Um, so man, you know, Blake Griffin just. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I know usually a concussion is only going to keep him out for one or two games, but that guy cannot catch a break. Man, he can. He really can. Uh, you know, whether it's Austin Rivers, his own teammate diving into his knee, or. You know him getting just you know elbowed in the in the head and just getting a concussion. You know, I just hope that guy gets gets you know gets good man gets healthy here. I mean, he is a OU sooner. You know he's he is a past OU sooner. I, I do want to see him succeed in the league and things of that nature. Um, so so yeah, so that's the NBA news for right now. Um, so we have we have Phoenix coming up, and so Phoenix is. One of these teams that likes to run. And so we always kind of struggle against teams that like to run. Uh, Phoenix is number three in the league as far as pace of play. Uh, They average about 102.95 possessions per game. Um, We are somewhere in the 23 range where we we average just 97.7. So Houston, so I'm sorry, not Houston. So Phoenix likes to go up and down. They have a lot of young legs. Um, And this is the type of game, the type of team that, you know, we're supposed to win this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's Phoenix kind of – it's close, and then at the end of the game, Phoenix kind of puts a little a little run together, and they beat us at the end. So, you know, hopefully the team can kind of concentrate and do what they have to do to win. Um, but Phoenix's ability to get up and down the court, I think that can bother the Thunder a little bit, and I think this might be a little bit more difficult of a game than – um, then it's maybe the Vegas odds put out there. Um, so that's my preview for the game tomorrow. You got anything else for, for uh, us? KCP is now eligible to travel with the Lakers. Thank goodness. As he has uh, been released from jail. Oh, home man. arrest. Home arrest. That's so – did we talk about that last week? I, I don't know if we've talked about KCP at all. That is so Basically, funny. he got a DUI in Detroit on his way out. Yeah. And then um, – was put on house arrest as a Los Angeles Laker, and he was unable to leave the state for away games. Yeah, so up until so, now. So the thing about that was that he was able to pay to go to this prison that 
so it's like kind of like a work release prison. So he's able to work, and he's so he's able to play games that are in L.A. in the state of California, and he's able to practice. So he's able to say, "Hey, I got to go to practice," and they let him out. But when he's done with practice, he has to go right back into the this prison that you pay. So this prison apparently has TVs in every room. Um, it's, it's basically club fed. It's it's a. It's a definitely, definitely like white collar prison. Yes, very much so. Like I, I need to commit crimes in, uh, in L.A. and California and get this, get this gig. I think it's like a hundred and something a day. Like you're basically playing, paying for a hotel room. <laughs> you're renting out a stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. while you're serving out your term. <laughs> it's, uh, see, like when you hear things like this, you understand why people look at athletes and are like, you know, especially when they go to trial and things like that, and they're like, really time already served yeah. if i if i would have messed around and gotten three duis within a calendar year i'd be in jail for a couple years but no this guy just has to do probation has to do a couple community hours and blah 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 and he's out um so so yeah so thank goodness kcp can now uh travel abroad to uh to go to road games that's awesome that's great good for him um so other than that um i got nothing else I don't think my boy Anthony got anything else. No, national championship college football game is on uh, Monday. Nobody yeah, cares about uh, that here in Oklahoma. They don't. Uh, you know, OU suffered a tough loss, but. Hell of a game. Uh, a hell of a game, an all-time classic, and that vaunted SEC defense just gave up 500 yards and almost 50 points. So, well, know, yeah, but they, maybe they're <laughs> a little bit overrated. Yeah, maybe they're, yeah, maybe their defense is a little bit overrated. Man, what got me in that game was. <laughs> so all year long, you've kind of lived and died by Baker Mayfield. You've lived and died by putting the ball in his hands and saying, you know, go out there, Baker, and, and do what you do. And it just seemed like in the fourth quarter, it just seemed like there was, there was bits and pieces throughout this game, but especially in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and especially in the overtimes where Lincoln Riley or whoever calls the plays just became very conservative. They got conservative. They did. Uh the third quarter, Georgia, to their credit, made the adjustment and started coming after Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, after they started coming after him a couple of times, I think I think Lincoln got a little conservative. I think Baker Mayfield got a little conservative. Like they were very conservative uh, on that last drive in the fourth quarter where they had to punt it away. My frustration is is that they targeted Mark Andrews, who's six five tight end, yeah. one time overthrew him and never went back to him again. Well, especially in overtime. But I, I think I think uh, Georgia had well, one, yes, one over. They had a so suffer- they had, yeah, they had a suffocating. Yeah, they, they had two guys on him. But you can't tell me at six five, you can't just throw it up there and be like, "Go get it." It's true, that's very especially true. in overtime when you're in the twenty, you, you're on the twenty five yard line. Mm. You need two yards to get a first down to keep that drive going I to know. potentially score a touchdown to end the game. Uh, you're telling me a six five wide receiver can't handle two defenders? I know, I know. Oh, well. but you know what? Hell of a year. Uh, obviously, a one for the ages. This is the first overtime game in the Rose Bowl um, in their history. One for the ages. One that we'll look at, and 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 apparently it's done well for us because we have landed mm-hmm. several, or I say we like I work for them, but OU has landed several uh, four star. A line, uh, they landed a four-star uh, outside linebacker, a four-star. They flipped a four-star lineba- inside linebacker from A&M. Texas A&M to OU. They landed a four-star cornerback. So some of these defensive players that we've been hurting in, we landed some 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 yeah. hot prospects. So 
So uh, hey, maybe, maybe hopefully for we the bounce future. back and, yeah. and you know, Lincoln Riley has a bright future ahead of him he in does. Oklahoma. OU does. OU definitely has a bright future. Um, and if if you have not already caught a game with Trey Young, they actually lost a game today um, against Even West Virginia. Even though he put up almost thirty, I think he put up twenty nine, yeah. but he had five assists and eight turnovers. So he kind of, I mean, he's going to have those games once once defenses start targeting him. Um, he's going to have those types of games where he's going to it's going to be difficult for him to find enough space to shoot, and he's going to be you know he's he's a freshman. He's just you know five months ago, six months ago, he was in high school, you know so. Uh, um, so they lost their game, but you know Trey Young. If you have not already seen him, go you know go out there and go see Trey Young because he's only going to be here for a year, I think. Yeah, I watched him. I watched him against the TCU game, and that one was back and forth. And Trey Young was just on fire. I mean, the dude is taking like Steph Curry like threes. Yeah, he's taking threes like five, just five feet behind him. the just nailing yeah. them. So uh, you know, OU's OU's got some some good upside. They do. They really do. Uh, but beside that, before we start getting, you know, turning this podcast into a college uh, sports podcast, uh, we're going to go ahead and leave you guys for this week. Um, you guys continue to vote for um, for your Thunder players. Um, the first, the first, uh, I guess the first, the first round of fan voting round, was yeah, out was released, and I believe Russell Westbrook was third in the guard or yeah, the so backcourt. Number one is Steph Curry. Number two is James, James Harden. Harden. Number three, just like last season. Obviously, those two areas are heavily influenced in As Houston, Chinese culture yeah, and stuff Houston like that. So that's definitely a lot of California. So right now, which is surprising, though, mm-hmm. uh, the leading vote-getters, which will be the captains of the All-Star game, are Giannis Antetokounmpo in the East yeah. and Steph Curry in the West. That is that is pretty. So LeBron is as number far two. As because the thing is with fan voting is it's a popularity contest and so and i think is. i i think people are starting to you know really come around to atenacumbo and you know look at him and you know just look at his long wiry arms and how he plays and and they really love it you know so the thing is when with, with that is if you don't start performing in the playoffs people tend to like kind of write you off really quickly so you know atenacumbo he uh he needs to start performing in the playoffs starting this season probably um, but yeah, good for him. Popularity as far as that. Uh, I think Paul George was number five as far as front court players, and Carmelo Anthony was number seven. Yeah, I think we had three. Uh, three. Uh, well, the the OK three was yeah. in the top fifteen of players. Yeah. So go out there, vote on Twitter, vote on NBA dot com. Um, I know Oklahoma is a smaller market, uh, but. You know, let's get these guys into the All Star game. Let's get Stephen Adams in there. I was surprised Stephen Adams wasn't in even in the top ten. Man, I tell you what, as much as as great as a, a season Stephen Adams is having, the West is just too stacked for him. It is. I mean, chair. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns was number six or number eight, something, something like well, not number just that. Eight. I think uh, Kawhi Leonard was like number four. Yeah, he has played. He's, he's barely played, 10, played this ten season. games. Yeah, so. Yeah, fan voting, I, I have a big problem with that as far as, you know, I, I know the All-Star game is a is a fan game type thing, uh, but it's still kind of I'm, – I'm just waiting for that. I'm just waiting for that, that day whenever somebody – like a player is very popular on Twitter, but he's not a very good player, but he kind of puts out there and says, hey, vote for me, vote for me, and he actually gets into the All-Star game as a starter whenever maybe he's like a bench player on his team. Yeah. So I'm just waiting for that day. Uh, but beside that, um, continue to vote for the Thunder. You know, vote blue is in in that the vote blue is, vote blue, motto, yeah, yeah. is the motto. Uh, so vote blue. Um, have a great week and continue to thunder up.